Let me start by saying that I am happy that you're here for the final uh, sermon in this series. Uh, it seemed like all week people were dropping like flies because of sickness and traveling and things like that. And we're like, how are we going to have enough volunteers? But I'm glad you are here uh, to, to listen to this sermon because uh, I think that that it could be the most important sermon you ever hear. I think that every week when I preach, but I, I think that this could be the most important sermon that you ever hear uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, if you're not a Christian, I'll give you a rundown in just a second of our whole series that we've done. Uh, but today, I think if you're not a Christian, you're gonna kind of, uh, as we pull back the curtain and talk about something we ought to be doing, that, that maybe you'll see we've had it all backwards and we've expected you to look just like us when maybe we ought to look a little more like you. And then if you're a Christian, uh, then I think what we're going to do today is, is, is going to call you to something just different. And a lot of times we get stuck in our Christianity and, and we get comfortable in our Christianity. But I think what, what these verses are going to say to us is going to ask you to take a step forward in, in your faith and a step forward in your lives and a step forward in your courage and all those things. And so I think it could be really valuable for you. And uh, as we kind of finish this, this series, I want to say again that that sharing my faith is a scary thing to do. It's not a natural thing to do. I, I'm more gifted getting on a stage than I am looking at somebody across from a cup of coffee and saying, let me talk to you uh, about Jesus. And again, if you're not a Christian, then I just want you to know that it, like, if I ever sit in front of you and have coffee with you and talk to you about Jesus, it's not because it's something that I'm like super happy to be doing. It's something that I do because I love you and I care about you. And, and maybe if you're a Christian, you're like me and, and it's like, yeah, that's a, that's a scary deal to, to share my faith because I'll be rejected maybe or people won't like me or I'll be seen as a bigot or, you know, a whole bunch of reasons that, that it can be scary. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, if you've been following this series with us, if you've listened to the other sermons, that, then you've already begun to see like some ways that you could take small steps to sharing about Jesus with other people instead of, you know, we always picture it as just one giant leap. You go from talking about sports or the weather or whatever to like, let me talk to you about why you're going to hell, you know, and we're like, and like that's awkward and, and weird. And, and so, and we've seen these other steps that hopefully we can take and hopefully you, you've at least started to kind of take some of these steps. If you haven't, uh, uh, listen to the sermons. You can listen to the sermons by going to creeksidebiblechurch.org forward slash proclaim. And I would encourage you to do that because here's what I know so far. Here's what I know. That I actually, my life has, and I can't say this about every sermon series, uh, but my life has been impacted and I've started to see noticeable differences in the way that I communicate with people and I've been putting the things into practice that, that we've been talking about and been seeing in the word of God. And uh, let me, here's how I'm gonna catch you up to speed today. Uh, I said last week that our giveaway for this series would be uh, hourglasses or sand timers. And so uh, normally we give these away right at the end of a sermon series. But today, it looks like my wife and my baby right behind you are going to hand you these sand timers here they come, pass them around, pass them around. 
And I think that within those little sand timers, I said they were gonna be keychains and I apologize for the lie because uh, there was no way to make them into keychains. Uh, when we got them, they didn't have like the proper lip on them or whatever. And so, uh, and they were a little bit larger than you would probably want to carry around. Uh, so they're not keychains, but these are your reminder of what we've talked about in this series. And I think they summarize and symbolize and illustrate everything that we've seen so far about how we ought to be proclaiming our faith and not how you know we think it's always been done or what they did in the 1950s or what people do on tv but what the bible actually says about proclaiming our faith and so here we go ready uh after you got them pay attention to me while you're waiting for me you don't have to uh you can listen to it online later like i said but uh let me tell you how these symbolize what we've talked about the first thing that we saw that's really 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 important if we're going to proclaim our faith to the people we love if we're going to talk to people about christianity is that we need to be praying for them we need to wait for it here it comes maybe it's a little corny but wait for it we need to take some time praying for other people and so one of the things you could do with this timer this is so cool Cool, right it is if every day before you like headed to work or whatever you just flipped the timer over and you just started to pray for people that you know that aren't Christians and I think they're three minutes I think it's three minutes but even if you just took three minutes every day and said God I, I, I hope you'll open a door for me to talk to my mom or to my friend or to my brother or, you know whoever my co-worker about you and you just prayed for that for for three minutes or however long those sand timers are wouldn't that be a cool start to just getting your minds right and your heart right to sharing the faith and so first of all we must take some time and pray for for people the second thing is that we need to look for open doors. And uh, if you're anything like me, then those sand timers, all they represent are board games. Uh, and so this is what I thought of, like if you're playing a board game, then somebody has opened their door to you. Am I stretching this one? Like somebody has opened their door to you. They've invited you over. You don't normally sit around by yourself and play board games. It's a thing that you get together with friends and do and stuff like that. I'm not even sure there's one board game you can play by yourself. Somebody can correct me after uh, service if you want to. But, but it means that there's been an open door. And, and what Paul showed us is that if we're going to share our faith with people, we must pray for them. And then we must look for opportunity within our conversations. Another thing that we saw is that, that in our conversations, and this is actually how the Greek word literally translates, we must redeem the time. It's easy to understand, right? And, and all of us in our conversations, uh, we have a limited amount of time. We're conversing with the person. Perhaps they're not a Christian. We're talking with them, and we have two choices. We can have conversations that don't matter, which is most of our conversations, right? We talk about things that are just unimportant they, they don't I mean they don't matter they don't matter I spend most of my time talking about the blazers and 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 when I die someday and I'm on my deathbed I'm not going to say I'm sure glad we had that talk you know about the 2016 playoffs and, and so one of the things Paul says is in your conversation specifically with those who don't know Jesus who don't know the forgiveness and the love that he brings then redeem your time with them make the time actually matter take the conversations deeper and, and he described that by saying uh, that we need to infuse our conversations with grace and salt. And so here's what I want you to pretend. I want you to pretend that they're not sand timers, but they're salt timers. 
See what I did there? Uh, and, and I want you to remember, when you look at those hourglasses, those sand timers, those salt timers, I want you to remember that they, they should remind you that when you talk to people who aren't Christians, you need to do your best to take the conversation to a deeper level. It's really easy to talk about boring, unimportant stuff, but it, it's harder to talk about things that actually matter. An example of this yesterday, uh, my brother-in-law and I uh, were in downtown Portland and a guy asked me if I could buy him food because he was, he was hungry and he was homeless. And, and I said no at first. And, uh, and then he like actually looked hungry. He was walking around like trying to find food. And so I told him yes. And you know, I'm preaching this sermon today. And so I have an advantage over the rest of you. Uh, try not to be a hypocrite. It's very important to me. And, and so this guy sits down and we're waiting for his burger to cook. And, and it's like, I guess I could just talk about how it's sunny or I could ask him if he's living on the streets. And he said, yes. And I said, how long? And that turned into why. And the conversation got really... Uh, pretty deep. He was talking about how his brother had died suddenly and he'd been married and divorced twice, once for 15 years and once for 13 years, which is a long amount of time for people, for a guy to be divorced twice. And so I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, how can I take the conversation deeper? And then he got his burger and left. Um, and so the conversation stopped. If you thought that was going to end with us praying, then you were sorely wrong because he got his burger and left. But at least I was trying to take the conversation deeper in hopes that, that the conversation could end up somewhere that matter. I was trying to be salt. And then the other thing is that uh, we need to remember is that when, when we have an open door, when God provides us with an open door, then we must do our best to share our story. And specifically how our story and the story of God and Jesus and all that he has done for us uh, kind of crossed, come together, intersect. And I think that's important. And one of the things that I thought of is because, again, the timer symbolized Pictionary to me for some reason. I think it's the only board game we played with one of those as a kid. But uh, I thought, like, it's weird if you try to draw somebody else's card, right, when you're playing Pictionary. And a lot of times that's kind of how we act when, when we're in the middle of a conversation about Christianity. We want to talk about a lot of things that aren't ourselves because it's perhaps uncomfortable or whatever. But the greatest thing that we can do is to, to say, here's my story. Here's what Jesus has done for me kind of like what Aaron talked about on the video this morning, saying, look, it's not just that I'm religious, it's that this actually impacts me in this way today, not yesterday, but today. And so I think that, that those timers ought to remind you as you put them in your car or wherever you're going to put them, they ought to remind you that, that you need to, to draw your card, you need to share your story and not some other story. And then the last thing that, that they must remind you of that we saw in, in 1 Peter uh, just a week ago is that we must be prepared to give an answer, to tell people about Jesus. And, and I just thought of it this way, like how good at Pictionary would I be if I could practice for a week the actual picture that I was going to draw, you know? I mean, how good could I get at a bunny if for a whole week I was like a bunny, 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 and then I'm like... Oh, this is crazy. I drew bunny, you know, and there it is. And, and I think a lot of times the reason we struggle to talk about Jesus with other people is that we're not prepared to do so. We've never even considered how our story intersects with the story of Jesus. And so when we have an opportunity, a God-given opportunity to share that story, it's like, oh, wait, I should have thought of this ahead of time, you know? And, and we stumble over our words and we're scared and it's, it's no good at all. And, and Peter tells us in the Bible that, that if we're going to proclaim our faith, then we ought to be prepared to do so. 
And so those are the steps that we should take in order to share our faith. And, and I want to say just one more time, if you're not a Christian, then, then that's what it ought to look like. What I just described is how we should be sharing our faith with you. It's not that like you may have in your head that we're jerks and we tell you you're wrong and uh, you know, we begin with like, hey, you're going to go to hell. Nice to meet you, you know? I mean, it's not like that. I mean, that is not how it should be. That's not what the Bible describes. Uh, and so if you're not a Christian, and, and I know that this is a problem, you might have just a, somewhere in the back of your brain this view of Christians that we just wanna shove our religion down your throat, and it's not true. And our faith does not dictate that we ought to shove our religion down your throat. In fact, let me just kind of point this out. Our faith is the reason that you don't think that a government has the right to shove a religion down your throat. It's because of Christian principles uh, in the first place that you think that that's not the right thing to do. And so at, at the core of our faith is just a desire to, to tell people what Jesus has done for us. And that's what the Bible describes, what I just described as how we ought to do it. And then there's this giant last part. And perhaps it's the hardest part for those of us who are Christians because it means that we need to go past just kind of our day-to-day -day lives and we actually need to be willing to sacrifice for something. Let me just jump right into it. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19, this is Paul talking to a church and he says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Let's just begin by just noticing that he makes this very like giant statement. I'm free, but I've actually made myself a slave to everyone. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie Seven Years a Slave. Did anybody see that movie? It was up for an Oscar a couple of years ago. Really hard movie to watch. Uh, think like how you felt after watching Schindler's List or The Passion. Just like, whoa, that was... That was that was difficult. And the story is about a free black man from the north who travels south a little bit and then gets tricked into uh, getting sold into slavery. He's tricked by people saying, we want you to play your instrument for us. I think he was a violin player. And he's sold into slavery and he becomes a, a slave for seven years and he's treated horribly. And he goes from from being a totally free person that has uh, positive interactions with white people and uh, has a, a family and is able to have his own home and things like that to being treated as a slave, treated as somebody's property and treated horribly, horribly, horribly. And the contrast in the movie is what makes it so staggering that, uh, I mean, we think of slavery and we think people were just born into slavery and that's terrible too. But, but when you see the contrast between a man that was free and, and a man that is a slave, then it's more staggering in some ways. It stands out. And Paul says, I'm free, but I've made myself a slave to everybody. And we ought to see that there's this major contrast that, that stands out and he gives the reason why he has chosen this. And the reason is to win as many as possible. Five times in this passage that we're going to look at today, which is just four verses, five times he says win. And what he is getting at is not winning a game. What he is getting at is not beating somebody else. What he is getting at is winning people for Jesus. 
it's actually part of, of our church's culture that, uh, and it's because of me, uh, that, that I try, we try not to use language of, of war or of competition when we talk about our interactions with outsiders because for too long there's been kind of this idea that Christians are against other people, that like we are, we are the troops who are marching on to, you know, beat up all the non-Christian bad guys and, and, we, you know, we'll take over and we'll have our laws and all of that. And so we try to avoid that language here at our church and Paul uses the language. And so uh, let me explain that he's not talking about beating non-Christians, winning against non-Christians. That's not the competition. The competition is against the dark forces for the souls of people. He's talking about winning for people that know, don't know Jesus. And if you know the story about Paul, then you know that, that this would have been a big deal for Paul. Paul was a zealous man for Judaism who hated Christian people and he sought to have them arrested and beaten so that they would deny Jesus, so that they would deny that Jesus actually got out of the grave, that he rose again and and that he had forgiven them for their sins and everything that is good about Christianity. And then he encounters Jesus resurrected and his whole entire life is changed and Paul finds a sense of peace and a sense of love and a sense of joy and a sense of hope that he had never had before, even though he was religious to a T. And Paul just makes it his aim to tell everybody because he wants everybody to know the love and the hope and the grace and the mercy and all of the good things that he had. And so when Paul talks about winning, he he isn't saying, I want to beat people. He's saying, look, I want to win for them. And he says, I have made myself a slave in order to make that happen. Staggering language. And he explains it in verses 20 through 22. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having a law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, oh, sorry, that was a comma. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. He's basically saying, that he has set aside his prejudices and his customs and his opinions uh, as far as he can, as far as his conscience will allow him, as far as his faith in Jesus will allow him. He has set aside those things in order to lead people to Jesus. He is saying that he has voluntarily put himself into a condition, a condition of making it necessary, uh, a condition that is necessary for himself to put aside his opinions, prejudices, and feelings as far as he can in order to win some for Jesus. What he is saying is that he interacted with people in a way that was inoffensive to them in order that he might lead them to Jesus. He interacted with people in a way that was even normal to them so that he could talk to them about Jesus, that he could share his faith with them so that they might eventually, hopefully, come to believe the way that he believed and become a Christian. What he is saying is that with the super, excuse me, the super religious, he interacted by being like a super religious person. With the irreligious, He talked to them and hung out with them in a way that they would understand. And with people who had weaknesses and struggles, he interacted with them with those things in mind. And it was all so he could proclaim the truth of Christianity to them. Now, I want to point out, because there's this tendency um, 
I mean, I think just like every teenager maybe that's ever grown up in church and wanted to rebel found this verse and said, well, look, I'm just doing everything everybody else is doing because Paul told me, you know, that I need to connect and be like other people and things like that. But I want you to notice that that big giant parenthetical statement in the middle of it when Paul says that, that in the midst of trying to fit in and, and putting aside his opinions and his customs, he, he continues to remember that he is under the law of God, that he is under the law of Christ, which is other in another place in the Bible described as the law of love. And so Paul is not without a, a conscience, not without any moral law, but he is saying that he is becoming as far as he can while still living for Jesus, he's becoming like other people. I want to say that next week we begin a new sermon series uh, called Exiles. And in that series, I'm, I'm pumped to do it because we're going to talk about what it means to live a beautiful life. And we all know that we live in an ugly world, a fallen world, a world that has war and pain and suffering. And sometimes it's hard just to keep your head above water. But in 1 Peter, which is the book we'll be looking at, Peter gives us these great, these great truths uh, that help us know how we can live beautifully. And I think you're going to be blown away. If you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you'll be like, this, this is a description of a life that is far better than, than perhaps the life I have right now. It's going to be awesome. And Paul knows that. Paul, Paul is a guy that lived fully for Jesus, but he also said, as far as I can, I become like other people so that I can help them know Jesus. And then he sums it up. 1 Corinthians 9, 22, the second half of the verse. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Albert Barnes, who wrote a, a famous older commentary, said this, that I might gain the more, that I might gain more to Christ, that I might by, uh, be the means of saving more souls. What a noble instance of self-denial and true greatness here. How worthy of religion, how elevated the conduct. No man would do this who had not a greatness of intellect that would rise above narrow prejudices and who had not a nobleness of heart that would seek at personal sacrifice the happiness of all men. It is said that not a few early Christians in an illustration of this principle of conduct actually sold themselves into slavery in order that they might have access to and benefit slaves, an act to which nothing would prompt a man but the religion of the cross. Isn't that incredible? That people early in our religion, if you're a Christian, sold themselves into slavery that they might become like a slave so that they might tell slaves about Jesus. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this verse before. But what is forgotten, I think, about this verse is that Paul is demonstrating sacrifice, not a, uh, an ability to do whatever you want. Paul is saying, I will give up all my rights in order that I might win some to Jesus. Now, this is a huge responsibility. This is a step forward from going into conversations, looking to talk about Jesus, from praying for people. This is a step forward because it, it requires that we give up of our personal feelings and our personal hopes and our personal uh, opinions in order that we might you know, lead somebody to Jesus. Let me just give you a few examples of this. Uh, Hudson Taylor who is in some ways uh, considered one of the founders of modern mission work. He went to China and uh, he wanted to lead people to Jesus in China and he showed up 
And for a while, he just examined how people were doing mission work. And he saw his fellow Europeans dressed in their suits and talking to people about Jesus and having typical, normal church services like they did in England. And, and he thought, this isn't working at all. And so Hudson Taylor sold his suit, bought some Chinese garb, shaved his head except for a long ponytail in the back, wandered around the countryside telling people about Jesus, and people came to Jesus like crazy, and churches were planted all over China. Now, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know. I don't know, but maybe if you're like me. The idea, just personal opinion, of a shaved head with a long ponytail not something I really like, not something that I would want for my hair, you know, not something that I would think was cool. But Hudson Taylor saw that if he was going to have an open door to share the gospel with these people in China, then, then it started with becoming all things to all people. Let me give you another example. I heard this story just this week. Uh, there, were, there was a guy, uh, I listened to a sermon on this passage of scripture, uh, and he was talking about how he went to a Muslim country and a Muslim country that allowed for Christianity to be expressed so there was no threat of violence or anything like that. And, and he was talking to some people and they were like, hey, we're planning these great, great evangelistic gospel sharing events for people and, and they're not working. Do you have any suggestions for us? And, and so he said, he went to one of these and and they had these people up on stage dancing and it was cool and there was great music and there was tons of cool stuff going on. And he said, not a single person was stopping to pay attention. Every Muslim in the country was walking right by him without even turning their eyes or thinking about it or anything like that. So he started to pay attention to some of the normal practices and he learned in this country it was a normal practice for people to just sit on a street corner open up the Quran and start reading it. And people would start coming and listening and, and talking and discussing and, and, and talking about the, the Islamic faith. And so he said, what happens if we sit on a street corner and open a Bible? Now, let me say, if you've ever seen street preachers in America, doesn't seem to work at all. Uh, we were in Vegas last year in February for a Bryn's work conference, and I saw people throwing food at a guy who was street preaching, and, and I, I thought, well, this guy has some courage, more courage than me, but I also thought, this isn't working at all. And if his goal was just to proclaim the faith, then good job for him, but if his goal was to do something that mattered, then, then, then maybe he picked the wrong avenue. And so getting out on a street corner in America doesn't often work in, in our modern culture. Uh, but he said, well, they're doing it with the Quran, and, and so let's, let's try it. So they sat down, they opened up a Bible, they started to read it loudly, no sermon, just Bible reading, and he said people just started to flock to them and gather with them, and, and they started to discuss the Bible, and people started to give their lives to Jesus. This is being all things to all people. Let me give you another example from that same sermon that I listened to this week. Uh, the guy said that, that he went to a conference in Atlanta, a Christian conference, because he is currently working at a church, even though that's not his normal job. He just happened to be giving the sermon I was doing. He, he went to this conference. It was a Christian conference, and, and it was powerful for him spiritually, and, and it was important, and they discussed heady, weighty theological things, and, and he really liked it. And, and he has a normal, everyday job that's not in a church, and he came back, and he said, you know, I had a few options, 
I could have said, he, when asked about how the conference went, he said, I could have said something like, like, oh man, when they discussed how Trinitarian theology affects how we do small groups, that was awesome. He said, I could have said something like, oh, the spirit of God moved through me in deep and profound ways and I wept. Or he said, I, I could have said, there was a speaker who writes for the New York Times and I found it to be very engaging. And he went with C. And the guy said, whoa, tell me more about that. I'm interested in that. He became all things to all people. If we had shown up at his church after going to that conference, of course he would have gone with the Trinitarian thing, you know? But when he's around non-Christians who don't care about how the spirit of God is moving in your life, he went for the things that would demonstrate that he cared about them, that, that, he, that he had connection with them, that he was interested in their lives, that he had something to say that would interest them. This is becoming all things to all people. I thought of this. This is so weird, and uh, if you're younger than me, you may not even remember this, but uh, the slogan, what would you do for a Klondike bar? You remember that? And the question is, as long as it's morally acceptable under God's law, what would you do to lead somebody to Jesus? I mean, how much would you give up? Let me give you three examples from Paul's life and the people who did ministry with him, real examples that are given in the Bible that I'm not even sure that you would do the first one, but they get progressively worse in my mind. How about this one? A haircut. Would you change your hairstyle if it meant that, that people would look at you as more normal, not to say any of you have abnormal hair, but, but that people would look at you as more like them, more connected to them, caring more about them? I mean, think about this. Would you get a mohawk? Would you get a mohawk if it meant that it would open a door to share the gospel with Jesus? I see some people looking at each other. Some of you can't have a mohawk. Um, I get that. Would you try to grow a mohawk uh, if, if, you could, if, you could open, if it would open a door to lead more people to Jesus? Paul did this. He cut his hair in a way that, that demonstrated that, that he fit in in the culture he was in. And, and it was all not because Paul had a specific style of hair that he liked. He just wanted open doors to be able to share uh, faith. Paul talks about becoming a vegetarian if he needs to. And I ask this, and this is hard for a lot of you. Would you become a vegetarian if it meant that, that it would open a door for sharing the gospel with somebody? I can tell you this, and because this, this haircut, I'm not sure would ever in our current culture really matter, but I can say this, there are certain parts of Portland uh, that it would definitely open more doors if you were a vegetarian to be able to share the gospel. And for you to eat meat in certain parts of, of our uh, Portland metro area would in some ways hurt your chances of having an open door to share a gospel because you would be looked at as like an animal killer, you know? And if you're an animal killer, then I don't want, and, and you, you may even have a desire to laugh, but this is what Paul's getting at. If you're an animal killer, the thought is, then, then I don't want your Jesus, you know? If that's the Jesus you serve that allows you to kill animals, then, then I don't want your Jesus, and so would you stop eating meat if it meant that you could share the gospel with somebody? It's the question that Paul's getting at. 
And then this one, and I don't think this will come up in our current culture either, but Paul has somebody get circumcised in order that they can share the gospel with people. And I don't bring that one up as an example for you to follow, um, but I bring that up as an example because it shows the lengths and the depths that Paul and the people he did ministry with went to in order that they might have a hearing with people who didn't know and love Jesus. Not every person accepted Jesus because they became all things to all people. Some flat out rejected it. Some Jesus, some people, in fact, uh, stoned them and hurt them and beat them and flogged them and did everything mean to them. But they wanted the open door and they were willing to sacrifice their own personal enjoyments and desires in order that those doors would be open and they could tell somebody about Jesus. Here's what I want to point out one of the problems, one of the problems, one of the reasons that there are far less Christians percentage-wise today than there were 40 or 50 years ago is because we who are Christians have had it completely backwards. And we've said, if you start to look like us, then we'll talk to you about Jesus. If you start to look like us, you can fit in in our church. If you start to look like us, I'll think, well, they're kind of Christianish. Let me talk to you about Jesus. But Paul says, here's what it should look like. We should be sacrificing our own opinions, our own feelings, our own wants and desires in order that we can share the gospel with them. Not trying to make them look like us, but looking like them where it's not morally wrong in order that we can talk to them about Christianity, in order that we can tell them the gospel story, the story that is good news, that Jesus came out of heaven as the son of God, lived a sinless life, died on a cross and rose again. And if we accept that gift, calling him Lord and Savior, then we can become people who have a hope and a joy and a love that goes beyond anything that the rest of the world knows. Paul is saying, we don't make them look like us so that they can hear our gospel. We look like them so that we can share our gospel, our good news with them. There's this other word that's important. Save. He says, this is why, for salvation's sake. The point is obviously not just to have a good time. Like, well, I like what they're doing. You know, the point is so that we might save some. And the reality is we will never give of our own personal opinions and feelings and uh, aspirations if, if, if we don't care about people being saved. If we don't care about people, and again, I don't think the story starts with sin and hell, but coming out of their sin, avoiding hell, but this word saved means even far more than that. It's about being full and whole and having joy and hope and peace and forgiveness and everything good about Christianity. If we don't care about that, then we're never gonna like even change our clothes so that we fit in with other people. We're never gonna do it. It's not gonna happen. And Paul says, I do all this because I care about their salvation. My great-great-grandfather, sorry, my great-grandfather, just one great. My great-grandfather, there's this story that's been passed down, and uh, one of the reasons that I'm the man I am today, even though I never met him, he died fairly young, actually. Uh, My great-grandma was alive till I was about 26 or something, but uh, her husband died when he was pretty young. But one of the stories that's been passed down to me is that he wasn't a Christian, and he went to talk to a pastor And the biggest hang-up for him in in becoming a Christian 
And this is what he said to the pastor is, if you people really believe all that stuff, then why aren't you doing anything and doing anything about telling other people about it? Like, how can you possibly believe what you say you believe if you're not passionate about seeing other people find the salvation that you have found? And I'm telling you, Paul cared passionately because he knew how great that salvation was. And so he just gave up of his own, gave his own opinions and hopes and his own feelings and preferences up because he wanted to see other people saved. The passage continues, 1 Corinthians 19, 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. He reminds us one more time uh, that the thing that we share is not inherently bad news, it's inherently good news. We become all things to all people because we know that we have the greatest news the world has ever heard, that God loved us enough to die for us and loved us so much and so powerfully and so profoundly that we can look forward to an eternity in heaven where all sorrow and tear and pain and hurt and struggle will go away and we'll just have fun and feel good and have awesome relationships. Everything will be perfect. That's good news. And Paul says, I have been willing to sacrifice my own preferences and opinions and ideas because of this great story. He says that he does it in order that he might share in its blessings. He says he does it in order that that he might know that his faith is not false. I think that's what he's getting at. And it reminds us that sharing our faith, proclaiming the gospel is a part of what Christianity is. If you are not proclaiming the truth of Jesus or, or looking at least for open doors to do so, uh, then you're not living out your faith in the way that you should be. And he wants to do it because it's great news. I, I began this series with this story, uh, a story about me going to Hawaii and then flying into San Diego. I'll make the long story shorter this time. And having the opportunity to lead two little boys, Mikey and Marky, to Jesus. At least Mikey became a Christian. I'm not sure about Marky. And it was one of the most joyful, exciting, happy experiences of my life. And we should all want that moment. We should all want to have that moment where we say, here's how my story intersects with the story of Jesus. And Jesus' story can intersect with your story too. And that addiction you have, it can be broken. And that uh, regret that you have, you can find forgiveness. And that problem, it may not go away, but you can find joy despite it. And they say, yes, I want that. And they bow their heads and they give their lives to Jesus. It's one of the best moments you'll ever experience. And it happens as we make a commitment to be all things to all people. I said I hate board games last week and I hate board games. And here's this sand timer in front of you. And, and here's, here's, here's my question Would I be willing to play board games if it meant that I could have an opportunity to share Jesus? And the answer to that is yes, but some of the things are more difficult. And so another thing I want with those timers is you hold them. They should remind you to be all things to all people. Play board games if it's going to give you an opportunity to talk about Jesus, even if you hate them. Uh, Do what you need to do in order to have an opportunity. But here's the question I have for you. Will you sacrifice of your own opinions, prejudices, feelings, uh, your 
goals uh, in order to lead somebody to Jesus. Let me give you uh, just four things I kind of jotted down that maybe can go into this. Number one, would you be willing to do things you don't like in order to open up an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody? Non-Christian loved one calls you up, says, do you want to have coffee? You're like, I hate coffee. Will you say yes? I mean, that's a simple example. Would you say yes to that? I think that we have this mentality that we just are in it for ourselves, even us who are Christians. Like, we just kind of do what we like. We have our own agendas. But will you sacrifice of your agenda in order to have opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus? And I think here's part of it. Would you get involved in something in your community where non-Christians are going consistently in order to share the gospel with somebody. I've been going to library playtime with uh, my daughter on Mondays, my day off, and it's building relationships with people that I don't know if they know Jesus or not, but it's an opportunity to build those relationships. And uh, I like going because it means that Hazel's not messing up our house, but messing up the library. And so I'm not throwing that out there as a giant sacrifice I'm making. But, but are you willing to get involved in things in your community where non-Christians are consistently? Will you do library time? Will you coach a team? Will you be involved uh, in volunteering to plant trees? That's something that comes up every year in Wilsonville. Will you go to the same Starbucks or the same gas station every time so that you can build relationships? I think this is part of being all all things to all people, not just sitting in your house doing what you want to do. How about this? Will you be consistent in interacting with non-Christians? Will you meet with them and hang out with them? The, one of the great problems of our Christian faith is that, that Christianity builds a level of unity that goes far beyond any other type of relationship in the world. The relationships that I have with Christians are deeper and more profound and more important than the other relationships. And it's just by the nature of being a part of the same faith. It just can't happen with other people. And so therefore, I like spending time with my Christian friends more than my non-Christian friends. I'm sorry if any of you are, are paying attention and you're not a Christian and I'm your friends. I just like it better because we think the same and we, we have the same beliefs and we have the same hopes and our joy comes from a similar place. It's just more enjoyable to me. But part of being all things to all people is sacrificing that time and saying, look, I'm gonna go out and be with non-Christians. At this church, we ask you to do very little within the church. We ask you to be at one Bible study or connect group a week, and we ask you to be here on Sunday mornings. And there's a big reason for that. It's because we want you out with non-Christian people so that you may have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. This issue of how much to do came to a head a few years ago. My wife and I were having a conversation, more like an argument, and the conversation was about whether we should add something else at church or not. And the conversation, and I don't normally win arguments in my relationship because arguments are never won in a marriage. They're just bad, right? Uh, I usually don't win, but this one I won. It's one of my great moments because I won it, and it went like this. We're talking about how much to do. Brent thought we should do more. I thought we should do less. And I said, how much time are you spending with non-Christians? That was it. I think we were both humbled in that moment. Wait, we're not doing our job. We're not being all things to all people. We've surrounded ourselves with Christians. And that's not the goal of the Christian life. We have to be around non-Christians, but we also have to go proclaim the gospel. We must be all things to all people. And here's one more. Don't speak Christianese. Don't talk like in terms that outsiders don't understand when you're talking with non-Christians. If you ever say the word righteousness to a non-Christian, then you've gone wrong, I think. 
Like that is not something people say in normal everyday conversation. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. If you've grown up in the church, you may not know that. I mean, born again, there's another one that we used for like, what are you talking about? If you're gonna say born again, you better be ready to explain what it means to be born again like Jesus did when he used the term born again. And that's why we copied him. But, but you have, it's not normal language. And so talk about normal things and have normal conversations with people who are not Christians. Remember the goal is winning, not beating the other person, but winning them to Jesus so that Jesus may win them uh, for salvation and for eternal life. And I just wanna conclude with this. For those of you that are a part of our church, what if we were a church that just put all these things into practice, that took those sand timers and said, I'm gonna remember all these things and listen to these sermons consistently and write them down and I'm gonna go out and I'm going to pray for people and look for open doors and be salt and grace, have my story ready to tell people, and I'm going to be all things to all people. I'm going to tell you this. We would change the world. The entire world would be changed if every one of us in this room and the rest of our people who aren't here today, if we would all just take these things seriously and make it the goal and aim of our life to proclaim the Christian gospel, the world would be changed. And I hope, I hope that we will become a church. And it's hard for a church to become this. There's not many churches that are just passionate about this. But I hope that we will become a church that is passionate about proclaiming the gospel. And I believe if we will, we'll set the world on fire. Uh, because people will accept Jesus as they hear about Jesus and people will have hope and joy. The world will change. Let me just end with that. The world will change. And so it starts with you. Become a person who is doing your absolute best to proclaim the Christian story to others. Please pray with me. Lord, man, it's convicting. It's a convicting passage of scripture, God, because we just want to be ourselves. We want everybody to fit in with us. We want our own personal preferences and desires to be filled and fulfilled, God. Uh, and it's hard to put those down, God, in order to, to reach people. It's hard, it's hard, God, because we're selfish. Uh, and so I pray, God, that you begin to do a work in us this morning and, and that we would change our attitudes and our hearts and, and we would have such a, a passion to see people saved, God, that we would become all things to all people so that they might hear your message, God, your truth, and come to know you as their savior. Lord, I pray that you take what we did in this series and that you would use it to change the world. I pray, God, uh, for all of our loved ones, our friends, our family members, our coworkers that don't know you, and I pray that you would bring them to salvation, God. Uh, and I pray that you would allow us to be a part of it. I ask these things in your name. Amen.